0: Um, Lawrence, uh, always entertaining. Batted for 30, thirty-five. 30, thirty-five minutes. Hit a four over the wicketkeeper. Angus, <laughs> for goodness' sake, stop it! Hit a four. Yes,
1: Lawrence. Lawrence extremely <laughs> 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 well. <laughs> he, he hit, a, hit a four.
2: Keep he his head, <laughs> and he was out from the <laughs> <And Tuffle came. laughs> for nine. Taffle came bad in 12 minutes, and then was caught
0: by Haynes on Patterson for two, and there were 54 extras. And Hitler were all out for
2: 419. I've stopped laughing now. Hello, hello to you, and you, and you, and welcome to everyone. And this is Box 39, the treasure chest of magazine, music and the funny side of life, rooted in our community, here on 106.6 FM Com Radio. I'm Bill Lawrence, and I'm live here in Studio One with Ian and Mike round the studio table, and we've got Adrian, who's in the Com Radio Music Library. Yeah, good evening to all of you. Um, This is our summer of cricket, and that's what we're
3: here to celebrate this evening. The Men's World Cup, the first ever test against Ireland the women's ashes and the men's ashes and from that introduction you can all hear that radio and cricket go together like a hand in a glove and it can be fun ladies and gentlemen
4: absolutely and it's good evening for me and uh, what a cricket uh, summer we've had england are the world champions record crowds have attended games and finally live cricket was back on free air to um, free free to air television for one day at
1: least
3: yeah just one day just the one day But anyway, with plenty to talk about, including an exclusive report from Lord David Price, the man with the personal numbers of every test umpire in his mobile phone, as Lord David was actually there at Lord's for the World Cup Final.
4: So let's begin the show with a few moments from that very last over of the World Cup Final. It had looked like a New Zealand victory for some time, until England's last few batsmen bravely bashed their way closer and closer to that New Zealand total.
2: Could this seemingly improbable actually happen? Could England catch up and win, or at least equal the New Zealand total, and send the game to a sensational tie break super over? Well the, ta- the tension, the tension at Lords became stronger and stronger with every moment.
0: Here's Bolt, the start of the final over, he runs in smoothly, bowls to Stokes, is a lovely full ball, it digs it out, and they're not going to take a run there. Five balls to go, 15 needed, Bolts on the way, bowls to Stokes, who hammers oh. that again to the edge of the circle, straight to the man. 2.27 for eight, 15 needed, what can Stokes do? Bolts on his way, bowls him, that's a length, and he heaves it away into the leg side, that's going to go for six. Nine off three, in goes Bolt It's a full toss Swiped into leg side They want to get two here surely Come on Adil Rashid Run Stokes to the far end He's desperately getting there Dice Oh, oh, oh He's oh, Now That came off Stokes If it goes to four, There's nothing they can do about it That's four There's nothing they can do to win, Bolt goes in and bowls to Stokes who hammers it down the ground, they're running they're running and Rashid's coming back for the second surely the throw comes in and he's run out 2.40 for nine, there's one ball to go in this match with two runs for England to win one run for England to tie no runs for New Zealand to win here's the last ball of the match two needed to win for England, Bolt runs in Bolster Stokes A low full toss He pushes it down the ground And Wood's going to run to second Here they come Up to the non
2: Once more to us here in the studio at box 39 here on calm radio well wow, that was tense wasn't it and uh, you're listening of course to calm radio you can get us on uh, at box 39 on facebook or Uh, What's that other one called? Twitter. Twitter, thank you very much. It's the blue one, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, uh, yes, here I am. I'm Bill Lawrence. Uh, Don't forget to send us your letters and emails, please. So, it really did come down to the Super Over, didn't it, Jensen? Some of the greatest theatre ever seen at the home of world cricket. Well, we're lucky enough to hear from Lord David Price himself at the match. Now, Donna from Norwich has already texted in to say that uh, she watched the World Cup but has only a sketchy understanding of the game so could we start with a simple guide to cricket well uh simple there's a test ian that's cold radios you're the facts man oh, can you start to explain to the listeners the basics to this uh, this most wonderful game it either captivates or it confuses or at times it can do it does both at the same time okay it? how much time
3: have we got on the clock mr Lawrence? three minutes oh, just the three just the three minutes ladies and gentlemen so we'll, we'll try and encapsulate cricket anyway cricket is a bat and ball game it's played between two teams of 11 players on a field. At the centre of the field is a 20-metre, 20 22-yard pitch with a wicket at each end. The wicket is made up of three stumps and two bales.
4: Hang on, hang on. If I didn't know what you were talking about, I'd be confused already. I mean, two teams, field, pitch, wicket, stumps and bales, and no one is batting or bowling it.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't say it's any worse than any other sport for its terms, Mike. Uh, you know, whether, whether they're simple or complex, it's... Uh, you know it's it takes you a short while you need to finish the basic stuff first you know let's 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 start again the batting side <laughs> scores runs by striking the ball on, Mike, bowled at up. the wicket with the bat oh, while the bowling and there. the fielding side tries to prevent this okay. and try to get out or dismiss each player you can get the batsman out by bowling them
2: yeah.
4: Oh, yeah, like uh, when the ball hits the stumps and dislodges the bails?
2: Correct. By you can get them out also. The fielding side, they can catch the ball, can't they, after it's hit by the bat, but before it hits the bound. Spot to the on. So you don't get one hand, one hand. On, another
4: so, one. How, how about LBW? When the ball would have hit the wicket but is blocked by the batsman's legs or another part of his anatomy and hasn't hit the bat?
3: I think you'll find it's only his legs, but never mind. Okay, any more, Mr Lawrence? Uh, there's a run-out,
2: isn't there? Go on, what's that, then? Uh, the wicket is hit by the ball... That's right. The wickets hit by the ball and the batsman's not in his crease. So Correct. the batsman's in the middle, hasn't got to the end. Correct. So,
3: when 10 players of the 11-strong team have been dismissed or they're out, the innings ends and the teams swap roles. The games normally... Um, adjudicated by two umpires, aided by a third umpire and a match referee in international matches only. And again, depending on how important the game is, one or two scorers will record the the matches (laughs) statistical information. I think that's it.
4: Yeah, well, uh, knocking over your own wicket caught and bowled and you introduce the crease without explaining what it is. Uh, I take Ah. it it's not the crease in the bowler's trousers.
2: (laughs) Uh, It's it's the the line by the wicket, isn't it, where the batsman stands. Approximately three feet in front of the Stumps, And also what we haven't mentioned, come to mention it, is the equipment. The ball itself, I believe, is quite complex, isn't it? It's it's a hollow... Uh, what do you call it? A hard, solid spheroid. we'll be right. It's compressed leather. Leather pushed very, very, very tightly together with a slightly sized, uh, raised sewn seam. It actually has a seam all the way around, doesn't it? Uh, it's got a cork core in the middle, and it's layered with tightly wound string. That
3: sounds as though um, it might hurt if it uh, hits that's you. That's
2: right. And
4: with that hard... Sh- spheroid whether it be red or white hurtling at you at more than 80 miles per hour what about the protective equipment pads for batting wicket keeping and close infielders plenty of art they all vary yeah. boxes helmets further okay. protective padding yeah guards and that's before we get onto the gloves whether they be inner or outer batsmen's or wicket keepers
3: i think we'd agree there's uh,
2: a lot to know though you don't have to learn it You know, before watching your first game, do you
3: so much
4: detail?
2: Well, I hope uh, that that helps our listener, Donna in Norwich. I hope that's filled it all in for you. Absolutely know what's going on now. Cricket is a simple structure, uh, but it's filled really with as much complexity as we can possibly fit in. (laughs) Hey, Mister Lawrence,
1: absolutely.
5: This is Afghanistan's World Cup cricket theme song. Though they played nine and lost nine, the world took plucky, unlikely World Cup finalists Afghanistan to their heart. After all their struggling, their suffering, their tragedy, their place in the world as a chessboard global powers have played chess on for centuries. They are gradually clawing their way into a state of at least some semblance of normality. As the leader of the free world said recently...
1: We're like policemen. We're not fighting a war. If we wanted to fight a war in Afghanistan and win it, I could win that war in a week. I just don't want to kill 10 million people. Does that make sense to you? I don't want to kill 10 million people. I have plans on Afghanistan that if I wanted to win that war, Afghanistan would be wiped off the face of the earth. It would be gone. It would be over in literally in 10 days. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that route. Nor do we want to be policemen because basically we're policemen right now. It's ridiculous. But if we wanted to, we could win that war. I have a plan that would win that war in a very short period of time. You understand that better than anybody. Uh, We've been in there, not fighting to win, just fighting to, they're building gas stations, they're rebuilding schools, that's for them to do. But what we did and what our leadership got us into is ridiculous, but uh, we will, I think we'll have some very good answers on Afghanistan very quick.
4: precisely
2: that's in the box well you're listening to box 39 here on colm radio i am bill lawrence we asked for letters and emails about the wonderful summer of cricket and uh, the next one we wrote was from uh, ron Ron of Gusset Hill in St. Osif. And Ron says, where is Ausgang Exit? Can you answer that for me, Ian? Are you going to give away the secret?
3: Well, I thought they were standing behind me, unless they've all sneaked out the door. No,
2: they're, they're not going to play. No, No. they're on strike again. But There's a little bit of jazz underneath. No, they're tired. They're too tired, they say. They've been on tour? Yeah, they've been on a cricket tour of the golf clubs of North Norfolk. And they said that they are worn out. A cricket tour of golf clubs? Yeah, but they're contractually obliged to, to turn up and
3: be paid. So they've turned up, having a kip... Yeah. I thought they'd pulled out their instruments and were preparing no, to play behind they're, me. They're just polishing. Polish. Anyway, let's move oh, okay. on because
2: we've got another email.
3: Quickly now because it's busy. If we talk long
2: enough, another email will pop up and it has done. And this one's again from Donna in Norwich. Hello, she says, Donna. She says, uh, Thank you very much. I still don't get all those peculiar phrases and names in cricket. Can you help? uh well there are uh some terms aren't there that make the understanding a game a little easier there's uh we can tell you don there's the on and the offside uh is that like offside in other sports like rugby i always think of the on and offside
3: as the cricketing response to football's a game of two halves bill
2: uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't you made anything clearer there OK, look, the offside Off is the half of the pitch In front of the batsman's body As he takes strike So uh, for the right-handed batsman It's the right half of the pitch Looking up the wicket towards the bowler And on the left half For the left-handed batsman So it's the, it's the easiest bit to knock the ball to That's all very well
4: But uh, what about mid-wicket?
2: Well, mid-wicket is in the middle. It's the mirror position to cover. <laughs> and that's about as helpful as my previous comment, Mr well, Lawrence. <laughs> if the bowl is at 12 o'clock, the batsman and the wicket-keeper at 6 o'clock. Yeah, I get that. You going keep up? Yeah, man? keep going. The cover field is at 3 o'clock. The mid-wicket field is at nine o'clock, and uh, the uh, silly midon is at quarter to eleven. I must admit, the use of the clock
3: face to describe, without pictures, um, where these positions are is working a treat.
2: Yes, I was flailing my arms about. You'd think he was a teacher, even.
3: (laughs) Now, don't be silly. (laughs) Silly? Now, silly. Who's Ah, silly? Silly. Ah, now, now, the fielding positions noted as being silly are quite interesting. Go on, Mike, because I know you know this one. I know
4: lots of silly stuff. Silly silly. Simply modifies the names of some fielding positions to denote that they are unusually close to the batsman. Most off, most often, silly mid-off, silly mid-on, silly mid-wicket, and silly point. If the fielder is so close to the batsman, they normally wear more protective gear and jump a lot if the batsman makes
3: contact <laughs> with the ball. Yeah, I think we've all seen that. Yeah. Silly is very close. Short is quite close. Mid is midpoint to the boundary. Long and deep are closer to the that's boundary. Right. It all begins to make absolutely perfect sense, doesn't it, Donna? Uh,
4: well, I just hope she'll call back and tell us that's the case. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) And don't forget gully, backward leg, square leg, fine leg, third man, cover. Quite a good film, that, the third man. (laughs) Cover, all of which are defined feeling positions. And then you've got slips, long point, and um, getting to the point.
3: Yeah, and then you've got Mr Root's choices, which are all generally unconventional. Ooh, well, it, I, I, think, I think
2: we've got this amazing lexicon we, of the great game of cricket because it's built up over so many years. And we're going to be talking later in the show about how cricket evolved from a, a game of bash the uh, bash the opponent's head with a with a great big lump of wood, which cavemen used to play, and it evolved from that. So now we're going to go to the height of evolution, Lord David Price. A wise and old cricketer. He's a friend of the famous. He's a friend of several prison governors across the Western world, that's for sure. And uh, he is the world's official. On uh, I've read it on Wikipedia. He's now the biggest purveyor of Eastern European based uh, tax deductible Scottish salmon.
4: Whoa. Yeah.
2: He's now, expanded his business, Empire, then. He's doing very well. Very good, David. And uh, he was a guest at the World Cup final recently at Lords. But the thing is, first of all, he had to get there from his Scottish salmon farm in Dubrovnik in uh, Croatia to London. And uh, he was a real man in a hurry. Well, it all
6: started with about three overs to go in the semi-final. when it was clear that England were just going to beat the Aussies. So Erin, my beautiful wife, put the idea to me that I should just ring up Lord's MCC membership ticket office just to see if there's been any returns because it was a sellout months and months ago. But because India had been knocked out, I thought that there might be a chance of just picking a spare ticket up. So I rang through at 9.30 on the Friday morning, UK time. I was in Kotor uh, in Montenegro when this was happening. So 9.30 UK time, we had two phones going at the same time, hers and mine. And she got through before me at 9.31am, handed me the phone. I gave my membership number and address and ID credentials and was told there was one ticket left in the uh, members, friends and closures. And it had a restricted view, but that was all right. Would I like it? I said, how much? He said 55 quid. I said yes please. So that was that. Shortly afterwards I booked the first available flight to London from Dubrovnik, which was where I was about to go. And I got, booked my accommodation and got a re- return flight on uh, early Monday morning. So then what happened was I had to make the journey from KOTOR via a bus. That left at seven o'clock in the morning to get to dubrovnik airport for 11 o'clock in the morning this is saturday and it was delayed because we had to go through the border crossing between montenegro and croatia so uh, that was about a two hour delay but we had to march out of this coach one by one get our passports looked at and then march back in and it happened twice once exiting montenegro and the other entering croatia so Managed to get to the airport, flight delayed, thank goodness, which means I was on it. Flew to Stansted, got the bus down from Stansted to Liverpool Street, then to Hoburn to get my hotel there. Now that was Saturday, probably got into Hoburn at about 8 o'clock in the evening and had a sh** and a shave and a shower and readied myself for what was to come.
0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Agnew at the home of cricket, Lords. I've been here many times over the years, seen many matches, but I've never seen England in the final of the Cricket World Cup.
6: Sunday morning, got up at half past six UK time. It was raining hard. But what was I to do? I just had to get up and get to the ticket office, pick up tickets line at 8.30. Because that's when it opened and there would be lots of people there. So I put my long trousers on and my long sleeve shirt and collared, collared uh, open neck shirt and just got totally and utterly soaked on my walk from Baker Street Tube to Lord's Cricket Ground which is about a 20 minute walk and I was absolutely drenched by the time I got to the members pickup line where there were all these people shouting through megaphones policemen security people uh, people that were just not really just officious you know just telling me where i should be moving to the yard to the foot and not to move an inch felt like some sort of prisoner in a prison camp but it became clear to me why that why this was going on because i it was the this was the vip entrance with uh, all the gods that were the sort of tendorkas and the uh, Brian Lara's and Steve Wars and Clive Lloyd's of this world. That's where they were all coming in. Shortly after that, the England bus arrived.
2: Hello, I'm Bill Lawrence, and let me tell you about my big bag of onions.
3: Bill's Big Bag of Onions is on Colm Radio every Sunday from 10 p.m. to midnight. And again on Monday nights from midnight to 2 a.m. Your late night journey through intriguing spoken word and sometimes undeservedly unfamiliar music.
2: Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Late night dreamscape radio for any time of the day.
5: This is the official Sri Lanka Cricket theme song for the ICC World Cup 2019. It doesn't sound like the songwriters or the Sri Lankan Cricket Board who commissioned this song thought they were going to win. Have a listen. Mind you, they did manage to beat England, which contributed to making the hosts row to the final and eventually lifting the trophy a bit less than straightforward and certainly a wee bit nerve-wracking. This is what Lord David Price had to say about Sri Lanka's chances before the tournament began. Sri Lanka are in chaos. They've
6: appointed Dimuth Karunaratna as captain. Despite him not playing a one day international for four years. But there seems to be a lot of infighting and bribery going on with Sri Lankan cricket at the moment. I might see if I can involve myself with their squabbles, but I don't see them legitimately winning many games in this tournament.
2: So, you're listening to Box 39 without an outgoing exit, I'm afraid. They're in the studio. They are refusing to play. Lazy. Lazy. I am Bill Lawrence. That in the background there was Ian, uh, who, who's shouting uh, at the house band. And we're chatting about cricket because uh, it's our wonderful summer of cricket. And uh, very soon, uh, we're going to be talking to the Colm Radio voice of cricket, Mr. Andrew Oldershaw. Uh, as soon as he can find his bicycle, uh, he's going to cycle here from his house. And so we're looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, an email. Uh, from Linda in East Berkholt and she says, uh, Let me read it. That bit's just not important at all. Uh, then she says, Cricket seems to be a very modern game because I saw on TV that they use a lot of video and computer technology. But my husband, Paul, says it's an old game watched by very old men wearing ties stained with eggs and bacon that were given to cricketers for breakfast during test matches hundreds of years ago. Can you help? I think there's some some muddles in there, but where do we start, Mike?
4: Well, what we need to know is when cricket was first played.
3: <laughs> don't look
2: at me. I don't know everything. Well, I
3: actually, do, probably, you actually, actually. You'll know this. Can I just it? say that I think the uh, ties with the stains, I think that is me- the colours they're meant to be? That sort of yellow and bacon y sort of colour? The well, stripes, yeah, so, the so, old so,
2: MCC? Yeah, well, yes, uh, Paul, be, be told. I,
3: anyway, shall I get on with it? Yeah, come on. Um, It's believed it actually started as a children's game um, back in the 16th century, probably in the sheep grazing fields of
2: the southeast of England. Did they start with the hardball stumps and all that stuff
3: from day one? I'm only laughing, Bill, because um, games do tend to develop, as you well know. You know, football wasn't played with a casey Uh, from day one. Um, It's certainly described as a stick and ball game and was literally was a stick, any old stick probably. And the ball was a ball of sheep's wool compressed. Um, In all likelihood, it was just picked up from the ground, you know, moulded into a sphere and thrown Um, whether underarm or overarm, who knows? I wasn't there.
4: Well, uh, you say it originated in the 16th century, but uh, where's your evidence for that then?
3: Well, there's... Two uh, references in both in court cases, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, one from based in Guildford Court in I think it was 50, uh, 1598, 1600, around then anyway. And the next mention was in 1610, 1611. And in the second case, two men had played cricket instead of attending church on a Sunday morning. And I tell you, they got a right royal telling off.
2: So, where did the name cricket ah, come
4: from then? I know this, I know this. There are typically a range of historical theories. Some say the word cricket came from the Old English word kreis, meaning crutch, and the Middle Dutch work rick, meaning... Stick. Stick. Rick means stick. Yeah, crutch, means stick. crutch
3: stick. Yeah. Oh, but, see. having said that, Mike, good, Mike, having said that, the cricket can also be, well, you can sort of derive it from the middle Dutch phrase for hockey, uh, which is met de cricket sen, uh, with the stick chase. Um, And I've been led to believe that not only the name, but potentially also the sport itself may be of Flemish origin. And I know that's almost like cursing in public, but... That's one theory behind it.
4: There's one because there's another historical school who believe I've uh, I believe I've read that cricket comes from the Middle Dutch word "krikstool," which was a long stool used for kneeling in church. And which resembled a long, low wicket with two stumps used in early cricket. I you, know, you didn't know that, eh? Well,
2: made, I'd be very wary of historians, to be quite honest. I, I think would. It, I That's think, wild, Mr. Lawrence. I Lawrence. I think it's true. Uh, what I've always believed, it's called cricket because the batten stumps look like a cricket's back legs. But uh, you have two <laughs> independent sources. <laughs> yeah. Indicating it's Dutch influence, there must, must have been some influence. a shame uh, the oh, Netherlands don't have a decent team now, isn't
4: it? Yep uh hang on hang on can i remind you that the the netherlands beat england in 2014 by 45 runs in fact they thrashed them bowling out the english team for miserable 88 runs
2: wonderful well look kevin 1979 he's a listener we're very quick we've got a minute here what makes cricket different from other bat and ball games is it just a bat and ball game like golf hockey tennis squash and table tennis isn't it Says Kevin nineteen seventy nine. Well you
3: may, but the key difference is the existence of a solid target structure. The wicket the wicket, yeah, that the batsman defends. Now the wicket is originally thought to have been a wicket
2: gate through which you'd have herded your sheep originally. We're back to (laughs) we're back to the history. So uh, what's, from the left side, is that mid-wicket? Are bat and ball games (laughs) classified by types? Mike, you know about these things.
4: of course I know that. And uh, No, there's uh, the hockey group in which the ball is driven between two targets, the goals. The golf group in which the ball is driven towards uh, an undefended target, the hole. And the cricket group in which the ball is aimed at a mark, the wicket, and driven away from it. These categories were defined by the cricket historian Harry Elpham. Oh,
3: he was yeah. a wonderful man,
2: Harry. Harry. Yeah. yeah, no good at cricket himself, but he couldn't yeah. after do a good bit of splurge about it. Well, look, yeah. let's get back to Lord David Price. Uh, it's early, and he's reported, it's early morning at the World Cup Final at Lord's. Lord David has a rave, arrived from Croatia. He had a
3: rave on the way. <laughs>
2: he's just lined up to get his cricket ticket. <laughs>
6: Anyway, dressed as a rat, so I managed to sort of skip the queue and, and wheedle myself in past a security guy who frisked me and uh, looked into my bag and got my ticket and uh, wandered up to my to my seat, which was just a fantastic view, front row of the Warner stand, which is just to the left of the pavilion. wasn't really obscured at all. It was, uh, you know, sort of uh, out of 180 degrees. Uh, you probably had 170. 5 degrees of complete view. And then we had all the sort of the ceremony, the, the Red Devils flying in, one of the divers in the parachutes off the Red Devils ha- had the match cricket ball, apparently. It had obviously been chosen before and uh, up it went in the aeroplanes and uh, down it came with one of the divers who di- who sort of landed on the, on the edge of the nursery ground and then brought the ball in. Anyway, huge energy when the national anthems were sung and just the, the warmth of everybody. 30,000 people, sellout crowd, I think there were about 2,000 maybe New Zealanders, probably. There was, an, there was an, an enormous number of Indians and there was a few token Aussies. Anyway, and then the game started.
0: which England disposed of Australia. I mean, that would send a few shivers through Kiwi's spines, wouldn't it? The first ten overs for both teams, I guess, are,
6: are going to be the portent for the game and if New Zealand can somehow get through those. They've had four close matches and if they can take England there, I think they will feel they've got certainly an even chance. To my immediate right, on the same row, was a chap who was in his late 60s, early 70s from Sussex who uh, was a bit of a nerd for figures, and stats and stuff like that. He was a bit of a worrier. To my left was a guy that didn't say very much at all but was a sort of a... you could tell he knew what was going on by the odd comment that he made. and responded to my comments about the status of the game during the day. The chap behind me was a lawyer in his l- early 30s with two small children. Bit of a sort of slick back smooth guy with a white jacket who uh, knew, again knew his cricket but wanted me to look after his kids while he went and got some beers, sort of uh, chat and could I just keep an eye on them. And about an hour later he came back. And then in front of me were two guys who were very interesting. One was uh, just a sort of St George's patriotic Englishman with a white flag. He had years and years of uh, England losing and uh, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. And his friend was an Australian actually from Melbourne who was living in London and. Uh, Mother was English and had his foot in two camps, and uh, was certainly a barracking for England in this game. Both in their early thirties, and both consumed, I would think, about nine or ten bottles of Moet et Chandon champagne during the day. And at the end of it, they were completely and utterly poleaxed. Anyway, I offered some uh, corn chips to everybody early on to break the ice. None of them were taken. Uh, politely declined, but nevertheless that sort of meant that we were a little group and we could uh, share a few comments. There was one other chap to my right, sort of a university challenge type of guy, a very very smart academic young man who just knew the rules of the game inside out and uh, knew about the super over, the number of fours thing, but before anyone else did.
4: Lord's NetWest T20 Blast, Middlesex vs. Sussex by Mike Harwood Blast on Blast Blast the boisterous babble of city bankers, spilling late into lords, blocking views. Pints tilting in cardboard carriers along the aisles, forcing spectators to rise during overs. Please of sit down, dismissed with wide, smug smiles. The resounding rowdies in the crowd miss the bowler's subtle action, flick of wrist. Only on big screens see filmed replays of a hit and miss, a blasted six. Dress on dress code. A lofted ball strikes the pink stone pavilion, where on the MCC longroom notice board, a Lord stalwart lances rage at the rebel invasion of T20. Quick fix, cricket fans. Gentlemen, a dress code, please. Cravats and ties, no big flowered casual shirts, no combat pants. No extremely distressed jeans with undone flies. I've never seen such repulsive apologies for the membership of the human race. Ill-dressed, drink-flushed, ill-behaved, lumpish yobbos. In our hallowed ground, the great unwashed. Money on Money. A Sussex bowler delivers his prize weapon, a disguised googly leg breaking contrivance, as undetectable as the missing tax millions in offshore havens for tax avoidance. My Shandon Champagne, next seat neighbour, says, what do you care for a quail? They take two, they are rather small. Thanks, I say, I don't do quails. Look at that delivery, just missed the bales. Leg break, tax break, wild swing to long leg. Batsman six has lost his middle stump egg. Music on music. Sussex bowl through the lower order. Leg-breaking googlies deceive a wicket sounds the arctic monkeys when the sun goes down. Dancing in the moonlight by Top Loader. On the outfield at Longon, a raven rises while iPhone signals transfer market millions from the pavilion to the Cayman Islands. MCC members lament their home team's demise in bright pink shirts, black shiny trousers. Innings finished by Sussex quicks taking wickets. Changeover music blast the circus ring of corporate cricket. Then Lizzie, the boys are back in town. You know that chick that used to dance a lot every night? She'd be on the floor shaking what she's got. When I say she was cool, she was red hot. I mean, she was steaming. Stumps up, stumps. A four to the mound stand under five. The time. Marks the final fanfare flame thrower over. A win for Sussex. County of sweeping hills and clover. Bordering Hampshire, and Broad Halfpenny Down. Where cricket was raised from cricket to an art. In the pavilion, bowlers bar. Post-match appraisal purists play their part. Bring back David Gower. 20 over cricket's drive is all money, all power. A six-hitting blast for profit, hour by hour. Father Time. Aloft, his stumps not tainted by investment asset marketing management, with one tin hand lifts a bale from his metal wickets, declares an end to this high-octane circus of a game, anticipates the peaceful sanctuary of the night at Lord's. Lord's, the iconic hallowed home of cricket. <laughs>
5: It's easy to think of Bangladesh as a minnow, and in cricketing terms I suppose it still is. But it's also worth remembering that it has the makings of a sleeping giant. It's the third biggest cricket-playing country in the world after India and Pakistan. It's the 8th biggest country with 170 million people, while South Africa is the 25th and the UK is the 21st, while being the 4th biggest cricket playing nation with its population of 67 million. Cricket is one of the most popular sports in Bangladesh followed by football. The national cricket team participated in their first Cricket World Cup in 1999 and the following year was granted elite test cricket status. They reached the quarterfinal of the 2015 Cricket World Cup, and they also reached the semi-final of the 2017 ICC Champions Trophy. They finished eighth in the 2019 World Cup after winning two of their nine games. A bit of a disappointment then. But they did strike down the fancied South Africans in memorable fashion in front of a packed oval crowd in their first match.
6: Amar Bangladesh, Ganer Bangladesh, Amar shonar Bangladesh,
0: Jitbe Bangladesh, Amar jitbe Bangladesh, Ganer Bangladesh, Amar
2: Bangladesh. You're listening to Out of Box 39 on Koln Radio 106.6 FM. so you are listening to box 39 here on 106.6 com radio and i'm bill lawrence and we are celebrating this week the great summer of cricket and celebrating with us is a longtime friend of the show mango dread from trub uh, hello mango uh, who sent in a text and mango says uh, and you might be able to help here ian Because you're a brainy man. When did the modern game of cricket evolve? With international test matches, proper rules, and all that stuff.
3: Well, I guess, like all sports, the uh, the rules have been developing since day one. But in 1788, the first official laws of cricket were written down and terms like middle stump and LBW were coined. Um, the MCC, Marylebone Cricket Club, was the first cricket team, which, I mean, that's what the books say. But as we all know, they weren't the first cricket team. They were the no. first cricket team to form make some rules, all that stuff. And buy cricket jumpers. Buy cricket jumpers and develop a big piece of land in the centre of London known as the Lord's Field. And go for a curry on, on at the end of the season. Yeah, curry night on Friday, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And funnily enough, it's in St John's Wood in central London. That's
4: right. And meanwhile, 250 years later, cricket's governing body is the International Cricket Council, the ICC, which has over 100 countries as members, 12 of which are full members who play test matches. The game's rules are held in a code called the Laws of Cricket, which is owned and maintained by Marylebone
3: Cricket Club, the MCC. Don't you hate this ownership of the rules bit? Well, yes.
2: I do. I've got to sing again. Yeah, uh, apparently a French bloke owns, owns uh, the contents of my toilet, so, you know.
3: <laughs> oh, okay, well, that's fine then. I'll, I'll stop now. After that was that was an interesting put down,
2: <laughs> or is it a flush down? Well, I've heard, and you could be, I could be wrong. That international games with professional paid players have been happening since 1844. Mike,
4: is that true? That's right. And here comes the history, because uh, cricket spread across the world, as did that funny pink colour that denotes the spread of the British Empire, leading to those first international matches in the second half of the 19th century.
2: So, uh, it was about another 60, 70 years later, in 1909, the ICC was formed. That's the International Cricket Association. And his members were... Can uh, Go on, uh, Mike, have a guess. Uh,
4: mm. Members were yeah. probably South Africa, England, Australia. Yeah.
2: Uh, L- India was later.
4: Later, West Indies, Ireland.
2: Yeah, <laughs> Ireland wasn't in <laughs> 1909. No. No, let
3: just put that one I, in I, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, you two are going to get to the point, because in 1971, no. the first limited overs, or one-day cricket match, was played in Melbourne, which I believe is, is in Australia, That's and awesome. the first World Cup was played in 1975. That's right, yeah. and uh, yeah. I remember it. And it's certainly expanded since
4: then. The, world, the sport is followed primarily in the Indian subcontinent, Australasia, yeah. United Kingdom, of course, Southern Africa and the West Indies. And um, Ireland. And uh, well, possibly a bit later, but. Uh,
3: and Holland and uh, Italy.
4: Yeah. It's uh, globalisation occurring during the expansion of the British Empire and remaining popular into the 21st century.
3: Yeah, in fact, the most successful side playing international cricket is Australia, having won seven mm. one day international trophies. Come on, let's not start booing. Mr. Warren isn't on the field.
1: <laughs> oh. um, sorry, including it's just, it's five like an World Cups. Reaction, and now. you can
3: put that sandpaper back in your pocket as well, Mr. Lawrence. Sorry, sorry. Uh, they've won five World Cups, which is more than any other country, and having been the top rated test side more than any other country.
4: Uh, hang on. They haven't won World Cups in cricket. Rugby and football, all three, have
3: they? Which doesn't make them a proper sporting nation, does it, Mike? Well, what do you think, Bill?
2: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you're correct, I think, Mike. Uh, from a sporting perspective, that does make us very much superior.
3: Three! Yeah. Um, there are various formats now of cricket, ranging from uh, T20, that's 20-20, 20 overs each way, played over a few hours, with each time battling for a single innings of 20 overs, as I said, to test matches played over five days with unlimited overs, technically, and the teams each batting for... Two innings of unlimited length, Although, technically.
4: Technically, yeah, but uh, it's rare these days for a test to last five days. <laughs> I mean, um, you
3: are not joking, there, Mike. <laughs>
4: I can. Uh, this is where Ireland comes in, uh, which only lasted. Three days. It
2: lasted enough for you to go to the bar twice, Mike. This and is true. I would say
3: we saw approximately one hour, 33 minutes of cricket. Yeah. We did see 12 wickets, was it? 12 wickets in that time. So, it was entertaining. There was plenty of, yes, um, liquid carbohydrate consumed and we yeah. had a great time. Well, well, let's,
4: let's... fifty is what? About uh, four. 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 Yeah. Four points
1: a wicket. I mean, four
2: pounds a wicket. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's get back to Lord David, uh, our exclusive report from Lord David Price who was at the World Cup final at Lords and as we heard, sitting amongst some of the greats of the game Uh, and he's using all his tricks uh, to persuade these great and these good uh, in order to blag some free food and drink, so let's go back to Lord David
6: So there were lots of shared little angsts uh, with umpiring decisions not being given, and how Darmasena was just really against England for some reason. And what what was he doing out there? Because he really wasn't uh, consistent at all with his his decisions. I mentioned to the, the old guy from Sussex that I knew Rob Andrew from a long time ago. Rob Andrew is now the CEO of Sussex. So that changed the context of our conversation. And with one or two astute comments that I made to him about his take on the game, uh, he realised that I, I was slightly more superior in my knowledge of things than, than he was. So he was sort of licking my a** really after that, which is nice. Because I could, I could just sort of take control of him. And he was uh, offering me a beer and, uh, you know, don't worry about paying for it, I'm happy to. The old guy from Sussex, he'd been there in 1966 when England won the World Cup as a 17-year-old. And he was there, I think, in Sydney in 2010 when Johnny Wilkinson dropped the goal. And he was there yesterday with me when we won that World Cup. Really, words can't describe what was going on uh in the stands during the last well the last 10 overs really of that game it was a blur how we got to a stage of getting anywhere close to their total i won't really understand until i see the the highlights or just the whole game again really because josh butler and ben stokes could not afford to make a mistake and they didn't and they were just nudging ones and blocking and nudging ones and getting the occasional two uh, the wicket was terrible, really. So there was some doom and gloom. Uh, we all thought we'd blown it, but, you know, didn't matter because we, we got there and, you know, and that, you know shame about uh, Roy and shame about Bearstone and stuff. And Morgan, what a great catch that was to get rid of Morgan. But then, of course, Butler started to do, you know, he, he did that reverse ramp, didn't he? And, uh, and then Stokes just clubbed a six that just got caught. And, 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 Bolt put his foot on the boundary marker and it could have been out game set and match but no it was six it was just an unbelievable match then the then the the sort of the two off the last ball well the bat thing hitting the bat and then they only needed two off the last ball and uh, I think we're all saying right just go smash it you know smash it but he just Ben Stokes just sort of popped it and he hit it too well I think he was just trying to just hit Hit it softly and then run too, because all the boundary, uh, all the are on the boundary. But, but he just hit it too well. It went straight to uh, Guptil or somebody who, who, who. Uh, I mean, Rashid was out by four meters, four four yards, easily half half the way down the pitch, and we we blown it. It was a blur.
5: It reminds me of a catch that Bill Lawrence took. I do have an absolutely vivid memory of it. I think I was either keeping wicket or I was at slip because that's the angle that I watched it from. So it was a right-hand batsman and he was at mid-off and he was fielding there. And this guy cracked it to Bill's left. And the ball was cracked and it was like, he then started running as if he didn't really know really what was going to happen at all. His hand was out at sort of 45 degrees and the ball just went into his hand. And it was like they're really good batsmen. And it was just in his hand. Uh, I think he just laughed. If the West Indies did have an official theme song for the ICC Cricket World Cup 2019, then I am unable to find it. Friend of the show, Tim Aston, who lives in Bali High, in the independent republic of Renzo Café, an enclave inside Indonesia in Southeast Asia, he fancied the West Indies as his bet on them as the Dark Horse winner of the World Cup especially after the trouncings that they dished out to England on their winter tour earlier in the year. The West Indies trounced eventual finalists New Zealand in a warm-up game after racking up 421 runs and then ejecting the Kiwis 100 runs short of that. They started the tournament itself by trouncing the mercurial Pakistan with 36 overs to spare. From there on it was all downhill and disappointing and the once fearsome Windies finished second last. Tim Aston is now under investigation for a betting scandal after 42,500,000 Indonesians bet on the West Indies to win the World Cup. Authorities would also like to speak to Lord David Price in connection with this ongoing case.
2: So oh, you're listening to Box 39, and we're getting to that last Super Over. We're getting very, very close to one of the greatest moments of this summer of cricket. And uh, before we get there, though, we'd like to welcome our guest for Red Button coming up. He's got here early. He's just put his bike, changed his bike to uh, to um, the the gate at the bottom of the steps. And welcome, please, Andrew Aldershaw. Hello,
5: Andrew. Uh, good evening.
2: It's lovely to have you here. And uh, straight away, you might be able to help us answer this email that's come in. This is from Mac in Lower Gusset Hill, uh, in St ovith who says, go and watch cricket, find out for yourself what a great day you can have. So Andrew, that's quite a recommendation, isn't it? A great day out. What do you enjoy about a day out at the cricket then?
5: Well, it'd be nice if we went once and it lasted uh, more than till lunchtime, but actually uh, that's true. A, yeah, a day out of the cricket is, uh, is very enjoyable and it is a day out. Um, uh, so sometimes I've been to other sports where you're there for an hour and a half, two hours, and it's all over. We're there, you can be there seven or eight hours. Obviously, you can pop to the refreshments a couple of times while you're there.
2: Yeah, and Mike, what do you... I mean, apart from seeing you, you were backwards and forwards that bar. Like you were stuck to it with a piece of elastic.
4: Yeah, well, I must be getting a reputation here because uh, I was born ten miles from, uh, if not the beginning of cricket, the Cradle of Cricket, Hamilton, which is uh, outside Portsmouth, and... Um, is that the Cradle of Cricket?
3: They might have owned a Cricket Cradle <laughs> On some upon the time but I thought that was only for catching practice
4: <laughs> well it was an early version of that but, uh, <laughs> but the uh, great advantage was that it could be uh, watched uh, from a bench outside uh, the uh, bat and ball pub which was adjacent to the pitch
2: and you can't beat a day or an afternoon like that and for, and for you Ian you know, I believe you were born uh, you were born up in n- n- near the cradle of cricket uh, Manchester is that right?
3: Um. I was
2: actually born in Cheshire, but let's yeah. not talk about well, that. Well, Cheshire, I understand, it has got a very big cradle of cricket, is that right? Uh,
3: minor county, <laughs> I think <laughs> it's fine. Right. No, I was, I was introduced to cricket early on because my old man um, used to captain a local village team um, called Woodhouses, which has a bit of history. Um, and yeah, we used to be dragged, uh, not kicking and screaming, because we thought it was great. Great adventure, we'd go roaming across the farm farmland, around the cricket ground. And when we went to away games, we'd get into local bother by... Roaming across
2: the farmland around the cricket ground.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's funny, I, it's funny how the farmer in Woodhouses was far more tolerant of our presence.
2: <laughs> the, the thing, you know, the, the one thing that I love about cricket is that uh, it's a team game, but everyone is, uh, has this moment of individualism, don't they? This moment when they have to step forward to bat or to bowl. It's very much a, a, a sort of strange hybrid, isn't it, of, of a team game full of individuals.
5: Well, I've got to say, um, in that recent Ashes Test match, that... Rory Burns looked like he was batting on his own for a lot of that time. So was, uh, <laughs> I do did. agree. That's because he was Andrew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he was a one-man team. Yeah.
2: And uh, we—you we, can they're great friendly crowds, aren't they? You're talking. Um, um, David Price was talking about just chatting away to people. And all. I'd just say for listeners, all four of us went to a Test match about two weeks ago, and uh, it was very great atmosphere. I mean, the game wasn't particularly great. It was over very quickly, but everyone just took that friendly atmosphere right across the road to the pub, didn't they? and it, and carried on
3: they did well i mean the uh the pub was um a very interesting venue for a discussion on a great many subjects not all of them in any way shape or form related to cricket
2: and mike you were nearly yeah. you were nearly uh sort of taken away by uh, a bloke you met from the city
4: uh that's right yeah um that uh, palmer read earlier was full of city men but uh <laughs> fortunately there was only one uh, i came across uh at lords and uh he said, do I, do, I, do I want to make an investment? And I said, uh, I'd like to invest in um, maybe moving away from you a little bit.
2: <laughs> But uh, the, uh, the uh, lush picnic as well, Andrew. you were always one to have a great picnic at the at the cricket, aren't you? Known for your your high, great range of uh, crisps and nuts that you bring.
5: Yeah, and the uh, the after rates and the fry breakfast beforehand, which went I think went down very well, didn't it? <laughs>
3: well, it did. Once you would got your ordering at the bar, yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, and then well, that, we
2: ate that at the Cradle of Cricket, didn't we? Uh, to uh, to break a Street, just down the road from some John's Wood, I think it's most affectionately referred to as Spoonies Bill. Yeah. yeah. And and I have to say, uh, there was fresh air, there was a a wonderful, friendly crowd, there was a great breakfast, a few beers afterwards, the heroes were there, the villains were there.
3: And then it was ruined by a lousy journey home on the train. Well, that's not to be uh, surprised at, really, is it? Uh, no, a, <laughs> no, no, I wasn't at all surprised when we walked into Liverpool Street, and it was, yes, a lot, rather like a sardine can.
2: Well, let's, let's let's keep on the, <laughs> the positives because cricket is such a positive experience. It's been such a positive summer. Let's uh, hear our last report then from Lord David Price, and you know it all came down to that very, very last <laughs> moment, that most dramatic moment. The teams have tied. It was time for the super over. <laughs>
5: Push, and we are in for a super over, they've got to go quick, they've got to go quick,
1: out, I'm sure he's out, we're going to a super over. Just
6: hugely, you know, uproar, uh, crying, uh, people in tears uh, when um, uh, we, we we got 15, you know, 15 off the
0: bloody first over. Here's the first ball Archer from round the wicket Bowls very wide outside The off stump It's called wide In goes Archer He bowls to Nisham Very full Beautifully bowled They're going to run This second one quickly Because I think Gupta Might have stolen that one a bit The throw goes to the far end And they've made their second 13 needed from 5 balls Archer Runs in easily And bowls He's heaved
2: up for 6 oh,
0: What a shot 6 Nine for no wicket in the super over. Here's the third ball. Archer, round the wicket. Moves in bowls to silence. That's clubbed away into the leg side. They shouldn't get two, but they're going to try it. Throw to, oh, it was a bummer. Fumble out there. Oh, no. And they do get there two. In goes Archer, round the wicket. Bowl strip. It's heaved into the leg side. That's heading towards the boundary. Intercepted by Roy. They shouldn't get two now. The throw comes in to Archer, and he's made his ground again. Two balls three for New Zealand to win Archer from round the wicket bowls to Nisham it's short he clubs it away they get a single don't throw it don't throw it he didn't throw it sorry two runs New Zealand win one run England win the tie scenario here's the last ball of the World Cup final Archer bowls it it's clipped away into the leg side they're going to come back for the second the throw is picked up they throw to the
2: wicketkeeper's keeper's end he's yeah. not arguing. England think he's run out. England think he's run out.
1: England are convinced he's been run out. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. By the barest of all margins. Absolute ecstasy for England. Agony! Agony for New Zealand!
6: I think I hugged everybody and they hugged me and uh, and then I offered my Doritos again and they all took some and uh, really thanked me for offering them (laughs) and uh, and at about a quarter to nine in the evening I left having uh, witnessed the lifting of the trophy and all the adulation that went with it because I then had to just get back down to bloody can't we get because I was just running really late to, to sort of get home or not get home but get back to Dubrovnik I didn't really sleep I haven't slept for two days and I'm now back in Dubrovnik it's been a blur aid it's been a blur but i tell you what what a match what a match it was, possibly the best game you will ever see in uh, in one day cricket, who knows. If anyone gets the opportunity to see a World Cup final live, then yeah, you've got to do it.
2: So that was the Box 39 Summer of Cricket Show. I'm Bill Lawrence. Join me again next time for another treasure chest of magazine music and the funny side of life rooted in our community here on 106.6 FM Cone Radio. So from Studio One up
3: here on the fourth floor of Cone Radio Towers, high above the full and fertile lands of North East Essex, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you.
4: Be seeing you.
3: Be seeing you. Be seeing you.
1: This has been
2: a Guppy production for Cone Radio.